Welcome to the Bob Harden Show, bringing you news and commentary to keep you informed and enjoying life on the Paradise Coast. And now, here's your host, Bob Harden. Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning. Johnson's Air Conditioning is Naples' longest established air conditioning company. Give them a call. You can find out more by visiting johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. You can visit lifeinnaples.net to find out more as well. We have a terrific guest for today's show, including Pastor Rick Stevens, co-founder of the Florida Citizens Alliance. We're talking about education in Florida, public education. Uh, Michael Cannon is the Director of Health Studies at the Cato Institute. Lots to talk about in that regard. And Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government. Bill Barnett will be joining us as well. Former mayor of Naples will be with us as well. It is December the 10th, and on this day in 1690, a failed attack on Quebec and subsequent near-mutiny force forced the Massachusetts Bay Colony to issue the first paper currency in the history of the Western Hemisphere. This is such an interesting story. France and Britain periodically attacked each other's North American colonies throughout the 17th and 18th centuries. In 1690, during one such war, Governor William Phipps of Britain's Massachusetts Bay Colony made a promise he couldn't keep. After leading a successful invasion of the French colony of Acadia, Phipps decided to raid Quebec City, promising his volunteer troops half of the loot in addition to their usual pay. Soldiers were typically paid in coins, but shortages of official currency in the colonies sometimes forced armies to temporarily issue IOUs, in one case in the form of cut-up playing cards, which troops were allowed to use in exchange for goods and services until receiving their actual pay. Despite Phipps' grand promise, he failed to take the city, returning to Massachusetts with a damaged fleet and no treasure. With a shortage of coins and nothing else to pay the troops with, Phipps faced a potential mutiny. With no other option, on December the 10th, 1690, the General Court of Massachusetts ordered the printing of a limited amount of government-backed currency to pay the troops and the soldiers. A few months later, with tax season approaching, the law was passed, removing the limit on the much how much currency could be printed, calling for the immediate printing of more and permitting the use of paper currency for the payment of taxes. First, paper money issued in 1690. And how about the reason? Uh, keeping half the loot. So interesting. Well, the Florida Department of Health reported 212 new cases of COVID-19 and four additional deaths in Collier County on Wednesday. Cases are up. There are 89 uh, patients in Collier County hospitals, according to the data. And uh, that's four more patients that were reported at approximately the same time on Tuesday. The county also had 15.3% of its total hospital beds available and 25.9% of its adult ICU beds available, according to the uh, Florida Health Department. So, again, cases are up. And uh, hospital beds, I mean, four more beds, plenty of beds right now, so we're not overwhelming the healthcare system right now. Interesting to see how this plays out in this new wave of COVID. Well, on Tuesday, President Trump signed an executive order to prioritize Americans for vaccine ahead of the assistance to other countries. It's the policy, this is his quote, it's the policy of the United States to ensure Americans have priority access to free, safe, and effective COVID-19 vaccine, the order reads. On Monday, a senior administration official noted that every American will be vaccinated with no cost to them with no associated deductible copay or insurance. According to officials working on an Operation Warp Speed, as many as 20 million Americans could be vaccinated by the end of the year. That includes more than 6 million doses of the Pfizer vaccine ready to ship as soon as the FDA authorizes it, which could be as soon as this weekend. Well, I have some questions about all this. By the way, I found this news. Uh, four people who took... Pfizer's coronavirus vaccine and the firm's trial developed Bell's palsy, a form of temporary facial paralysis, according to the uh, U.S. regulators' report on the shot. So here's the thing. We know that, uh, I've heard it anyhow, that uh, 10 to 15% of the people who take the vaccine could have side effects of some sort. Maybe this is one of them, Bell's palsy, and usually Bell's palsy clears up after a period of time. Uh, Food and Drug Administration uh, regulators 
said there wasn't any clear way that the vaccine caused Bell's palsy, but warned that doctors should watch for the alarming side effect, and Pfizer should continue to keep tabs on how many people it strikes. Well, uh, the question arises. Uh, there's going to be other choices. Pfizer, Moderna, there's a number of uh, Johnson & Johnson, a number of vaccines that will be coming out. So should you rush to take one, for example, that might call, cause Bell palsy, or should you look at others, or should you take it all? Found this story. Learn the risk founder Brandy Vaughn was found dead on December the 8th. Her case remains unknown. The reason, ex-Merck employee, she was a uh, Merck salesman, a prominent anti-poison injection activist, and learned the risk is the name of her uh, foundation. F- uh, founder Brandy Vaughn was found dead on December the 8th, 2020. Uh, on December the 1st, she posted in, in uh, I should say, in 2019, that uh, she was concerned about her life that she was not suicidal, she was not depressed, and if she's found dead, it should be investigated. She also uh, made a video of uh, intimidation tactics being used against her. She was concerned about being poisoned. And uh, all, by all accounts, it looks like she was probably killed. And I don't know why, but obviously what she was doing in California, she lived in Santa Barbara, and uh, she was uh, protesting against the uh, law that was going to be passed uh, that required everybody to get vaccinated, all kids to get vaccinated. She lived in Europe for five or six years. Her uh, child did not get vaccinated and was perfectly healthy. And so she, after learning as much as she did about uh, about vaccines, she was became a staunch resistor to uh, vaccines. So my, my admonition to you is uh, I'm not taking a position one way or the other. I'm just saying, hey, do your own research. It's your body. And uh, your body or your family, just uh, check out the vaccines, which one might be best, the safest, and so forth. And if you want more information, check out Robert F. Kennedy Jr. He's the chairman of the Children's Health Defense. He's done a lot of work on vaccines and uh, worth checking out. Fortunately, right now in New York, uh, the legislators are considering uh, mandatory vaccines in New New York State. Here, the uh, governor has already stated he will not have a mandate for vaccines. Just really appreciate our governor. Well, 17 states filed an amicus brief Wednesday supporting the state of Texas' lawsuit filed directly in the U.S. Supreme Court, which targets Georgia, Michigan, Pennsylvania, and Wisconsin over claims of unconstitutional practices in the respective elections. These states include Alabama, Arkansas, Florida, Indiana, Kansas, Louisiana, Missouri, Mississippi, Montana, Nebraska, North Dakota, Oklahoma, South Carolina, South Dakota, Tennessee, Utah, West Virginia. In fact, I even think that uh, Arizona is one of the states, or maybe it's uh, Nevada. I think it's Arizona is is another state that's joined the suit. Uh, Texas filed the lawsuit on Monday, arguing that the battleground states violated the Elector's Clause of the Constitution because they made changes to voting rules and procedures through the courts or through executive actions, but not through the state legislatures as mandated by the Constitution. So I think there's a clear case here. In fact, uh, President Trump has said his team will join the suit as well. And, of course, we know that uh, uh, the uh, senator from Texas, and I'm trying to recall, Ted Cruz, has agreed to argue the case, which is pretty relevant because he's argued eight cases on the Supreme Court in his uh in his uh, service to Texas as the uh, uh, petitioner. For, I forgot what his role was, but he in Texas he argued cases in front of the Supreme Court. So this case has been filed by Texas Attorney General Ken Paxton, and he says the case presents a question of law. Did the defendant states violate the Elector's Clause by taking non-legislative actions to change the election rules that would govern the appointment of presidential electors? Well, clearly they did, and the, now we're going to find out if the Supreme Court is, is, uh, sees that as a concern and whether it had any impact on the, uh, the result of the, of the election. It'll be interesting to see. Uh, also, bombshell Senate report on Hunter uh, Beijing Biden released. The damning report doesn't just raise conflicts of interest concerns. It raises criminal, financial, counterintelligence, and extortion concerns. Alarming stuff about the Bidens tied to Ukraine and China. 
Biden and Archer found willing partners in China in the Chinese regime's nationals concern to communist regime. Hunter Biden and his family were involved in a vast financial network that connected them to foreign nationals and foreign governments across the globe. Now, this is from the Senate report. And while Joe Biden was vice president and the public face of Obama administrations in Ukraine and the Ukraine policy, Rosemont Seneca Thornton, an investment firm co-founded by Hunter Biden, received three and a half million bucks in a wire transfer uh, from Elena Baturina, who allegedly received illegal construction contracts from her husband, the former mayor of Moscow. So this is such an interesting development. As I understand it, uh, now James Biden, Joe's brother, is under investigation as well. And uh, the uh, Hunter is an, under investigation for tax concerns in the state of Delaware. Interesting developments here. All right, coming up, we're going to be visiting with Pastor Rick Stevens. This segment of the show brought to you by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning, Naples' longest established air conditioning company. Visit johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. Lifeinnaples.net is the website. Okay, we're going to have more here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting uh, Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. I'm Bob Harden, the host of the Bob Harden Show. One of my favorites for breakfast or lunch is Lulabee's Diner, providing great service, fabulous food, and a rockin' good time. Lulabee's Diner is a throwback to the 60s, complete with great music and a fabulous 60s decor. What I like best is a blend of great food, great value, and terrific service. Most of the friendly waitstaff has been part of Lulabee's for years. I enjoy the great choices for breakfast and lunch, and you'll find the menu has everything and anything to satisfy your taste. Lulabee's offers catering, party platters, lunch boxes, and more. Lulabee's Diner will quickly become one of your favorites for breakfast or lunch. No reservations are needed. Check out the website at lulabees.com and stop by Lulabee's Diner, open from 8 a.m. until 2 p.m. seven days a week. Lulabee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center at the corner of Immokalee and Airport Pulling Roads. Stop by Lulabee's Diner for fabulous food and for a forever cool rockin' good time. Did you know St. Matthew's House operates the only emergency homeless shelters in Collier County? St. Matthew's House provided more than 500,000 hot meals to those in need last year, and since 2010, 527 men and women have graduated from the St. Matthew's House Justin's Place Addiction Recovery Program. For over 30 years, St. Matthew's House has provided innovative solutions to fight homelessness, hunger, substance abuse, and poverty in Southwest Florida. And you can help St. Matthew's House in this life-transforming work by patronizing the St. Matthew's House Thrift Stores, Cafe M25, Car Wash and Detailing Center, and award-winning catering operations. For more information, visit stmatthewshouse.org. That's stmatthewshouse.org. St. Matthew's House is a 501c3 not-for-profit organization and does not solicit government funding. Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Gulf Shore Playhouse, bringing you professional New York-style theater at its very best. Visit gulfshoreplayhouse.org. Coming up, we're going to visit with Michael Cannon. He is the uh, Director of Health Studies at the Cato Institute. Right now we have with us Pastor Rick Stevens. He is the co-founder of the Florida Citizens Alliance. Pastor Rick, thank you so much for joining us. Always a pleasure to talk with you, Bob. Thank, thank you. Thank you, Pastor Rick. Tell us about the Florida Citizens Alliance. Florida Citizens Alliance is regular folks that care about their kids and their kids' education. It's people that realize that now more than ever, children need to learn how to read and to write and to think. And we work real hard to bring solutions to those situations so that children do have the best opportunity to learn and to grow and to develop. We think that the ability to read unlocks the future for them. The ability to do mathematics opens up so many doors, and we just want to help solve the problems that keep kids from learning well. 
and get the nonsense out of the way so the kids can really thrive. We have a lot of confidence in the kids. And we want to see them do really well. Yeah, great organization. GoFLCA is the dot uh, com is the website, and uh, the, just some of the things that achieved had real influence. For example, on overturning Common Core, great influence on making sure that uh, kids are back to school in brick and mortar. This is uh, the S- Florida Citizens Alliance working hand in hand with uh, the Commission of Education in Tallahassee, as well as our legislature. So I just want to acknowledge you for the great work you're doing. Now, we're going through uh, some changes right now, some uh, challenges in the Supreme Court, uh, the, you know, just pointing out the importance of civics and understanding the Constitution and the rule of law. How are we doing with regard to that in our uh, school systems? Well, we've worked real hard to evaluate textbooks and to make recommendations and to pass those along to the Department of Education because they're going through some processes to, to choose the materials. And sometimes people get a little caught up in, well, why does civics education matter? You know, what's going on with this? What's going on with that? Mm-hmm. And we're living through a time with this election and the challenges and the lawsuits that it really points out why, why people need to have a background in civics so they can begin to understand. I don't pretend that everybody's going to understand every legal minutia. That's not the point. But we do have the capability to understand things so that we're not ruled by elites and we get an idea of what's going on. So when Texas files a lawsuit against four other states, people should be able to realize that, well, that's appropriate because the states formed a union, ratified a constitution, and we're all supposed to live by it. So if one state thinks another state's not, then it's appropriate for them to go to the United States Supreme Court and say to the court, we need to fix this because this really matters and it affects the people in our state too. Yeah, And sometimes I think people don't, don't kind of connect those dots. Well, what a great teaching opportunity, too, to take this in a civics discussion, for example, in the eighth grade, wherever it might be, kids discussing why is this happening, what is the what is the reason for it, what's the basis for it, you know, in other words, this, this where we are, our current, our current situation is really a great opportunity to learn for these kids. Well, absolutely, and, and one of the really intriguing things, and I haven't seen this talked about too much, But one of the things that really affects the states in terms of the outcome of a presidential election is the vice president becomes president of the Senate. And so if there are ties in votes in the United States Senate, the vice president makes that determination. And what goes on in the Senate has a real direct impact to all of the states because, as we know from our civics education, every state has two senators. Mm -hmm. And so it levels the playing field a great deal. And if there's mischief that goes on with a presidential election, then that mischief carries over into the Senate, which could potentially have consequences for states that played by the rules and did the right thing. And so they want to they have a real interest in making sure the other states behave themselves. So that's part of what's going on with this Texas thing. And I, and I am really intrigued to see what happens with that, because I think some, some very valid constitutional issues pop up here. Oh, no question about it. And uh, again, mo- a lot of people right now are getting... What's going on? Yeah, why doesn't the president just move on? You know, he lost the election. Come on. <laughs> you know, if, if some people are, though, deeply immersed in this, well, I consider myself one of them and very concerned about the outcome because, in my view, there's just statistically impossible for Joe Biden to have won this election. And there's a lot of, there's a lot of chicanery going on, a lot of dirty tricks being played here. They need to be ferreted out. We need to have clean elections. We need to have elections that uh, people can count on. And that's exactly right, because without that confidence, what, where does that leave our country? Mm-hmm. And everybody, no matter which side of the political aisle you're on or which candidate you supported, has an interest in having free and fair and honest elections, because that gives us confidence that the people can speak and be heard. Yeah. And if without that, boy, where does that leave us? People will throw up their hands and say, why bother? Well, there's enough of that goes on now. And so we really need to preserve the integrity of our election process. No question. Well, I, actually, one of my listeners challenged the whole situation. Hey, he's already, the president's already lost scores of elections, 100 elections, I think, are many, many, uh, many, many lawsuits. Uh, well, there are only a couple of them that are actually brought by the president's uh, uh, election team. And uh, so a lot of people have brought suits that had no, no standing, if you will. But the point is this, uh, the important important thing is that a uh, case is brought that has merit, and this one does in Texas. Now we'll see if the Supreme Court feels like it has sufficient merit to uh, entertain it and actually actually make a, a ruling on it. 
Right. That'll be real interesting. But it's definitely the kind of thing the Supreme Court should be paying attention to yeah. because it's a dispute between the states, and it was the states that formed the federal government. And yep. so it's the exact kind of thing that our government was designed for us to, to take those concerns to the Supreme Court. Absolutely. So we'll see. Hey, I understand you have a, a, a big event coming up on February the 10th. We do. It's going to be at the Naples Grand, and we're going to have three dynamic speakers come for that evening. One of them is Alveda King, who has wow. obviously everybody recognized the King name, and she has a compelling family history and a, a real interest in helping us understand from. A, a different perspective than we often understand, the dynamics of education and the importance of education for all children. So we're really pleased to have her. We're also going to have Senator Jim DeMint. He uh, is well-known in conservative circles for his work, both in the Senate and now out of the Senate. And then General Jerry Boykin, he's going to come and speak. Jer General Boykin was the part of the original Delta Force that was formed by the United States Army, huh. later rose to be the commander of, of all of that force. And he has a lot of compelling inside perspective on what's going on, both in terms of the military and then, of course, how it affects the, the civilian side of things and the importance of citizens being involved and of our children learning how the system works so that we can be a part of that. And so we want to invite people to go to our website. You mentioned it earlier, goflca.com. There'll be a, a banner that shows the event. And we have a real intriguing offer right now, a gift certificate that for people who buy tickets, a $500 gift certificate to Joseph Went Custom Clothiers. And so we want to encourage people to take advantage of that. It's Christmas time, so you could capitalize on that with a couple of gifts, both a gift of a ticket to the event and a gift certificate to be decked out in all of Joseph Went's finery to come to the event. Yeah, sounds so I wonderful. encourage people to check that out. It's a limited time offer, but it's available now. Okay, goflca.com. And I, you know, I, it sounds like a great opportunity to learn and a great event, but it also is an opportunity to support this, what I consider to be a wonderful organization, the Florida Citizens Alliance, goflca.com. Pastor Rick, always appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Always a pleasure. Thank you, Bob. You have a great day. You as well. Thank you, Pastor Rick. All right, coming up, we're going to be visiting with uh, Michael Cannon. Michael is the uh, research fellow. He's a uh, director of health studies at the uh, Cato Institute. We're going to do that and more right here in the uh, Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. <laughs> Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harton Show here on the Bob Harton Broadcasting Network. Do you or a family member suffer from chronic pain in your knees, hips, or shoulders? Joint pain can be a nagging and serious problem requiring expert and compassionate care. I know I'm Bob Harden, the host of The Bob Harden Show. Until 2006, I was suffering debilitating pain and deformity in my knees. Or even sleep without chronic pain as a constant companion. Thanks to Dr. George Markovich and the professional staff at the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine, my pain is gone and I'm back to doing the activities I enjoy with no pain. I have a lifestyle I could only imagine prior to knee surgery, and you can too. Call the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine. They will thoroughly evaluate your condition, provide personalized, state of the art treatment, and help you relieve your pain and get back to your active lifestyle. At the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine, your care will be professionally managed through every phase of your recovery. For an initial consultation, call the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine located off Tamiami Trail in Bonita Springs at 482-5399. That's 482-5399. You listen to The Bob Harden Show, so why not market your company to our loyal listeners? Ads are played live on each show and then archived so listeners can hear the show and your ad at their convenience. Each advertising package includes a banner on BobHarden.com with a link to your website at no extra charge. Join Lulabee's Diner, Johnson's Air Conditioning, Blue Provence, and many others who advertise on the show. Call me at 598-3889, that's 598-3889, or send an email to BobHarden at Hotmail.com to design an ad program that's just right for your business and your budget. You'll be pleasantly surprised at the cost and the value. Several advertisers have been with me for years. Find out why by calling 598-3889 or send me an email to bobharden at hotmail.com. You'll be glad you did. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. 
Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. A little shout out to Lulabee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center. Shopping Center isn't under construction right now, but they're still serving great breakfast and lunch at Lulabee's Diner. I hope you'll visit them. And uh, by the way, if you want to, they use uh, Uber Eats so you can get takeout as well. Coming up, we're going to be visiting with Bill Nup Barnett, former mayor of Naples. Right now we have with us Michael Cannon. Michael is the uh, director of uh, health studies at the Cato Institute. Michael, thank you so much for joining us. Great to be here, Bob. Thank you, Michael. Tell us about the Cato Institute. Cato Institute is a libertarian think tank in Washington, D.C. We're there to protect your freedoms, all of them. Not just the ones the Republicans want to protect, not just the ones the Democrats want to protect. We want to protect all of them from everybody. Well, a noble purpose, which I certainly support and endorse. Uh, Cato.org is the website, C-A-T-O.org. So, uh, Michael, you wrote a piece on uh, vaccines and distribution in the U.K. Maybe you can tell us about it. So the uh, British government approved the Pfizer vaccine about a week ago. And distribution of the vaccine to the general public began two days ago. Meanwhile, here in the United States, the Food and Drug Administration is only meeting today mm. to consider the evidence of whether the, uh, the Pfizer vaccine is safe and effective. And, uh, and after today, the FDA will make a decision about whether to authorize its use. And... Uh, this is troubling because this, this is a delay of one week. It may not seem like much, but we've got two, 3,000 people dying from COVID-19 every day in this country. Uh, and, and so that's a very troubling thing for, for a couple of reasons. One is it shows that uh, Britain's uh, subjects of her royal majesty in the United Kingdom have more freedom uh, to take this vaccine than we do, because yeah. the uh, British government lifted their ban on this vaccine before the U.S. government did. This vaccine that has been around for months and months. Uh, and it's also a, a, an example, and so that's counterintuitive. We, we tend to hear and we tend to think that in the United States we have a free market, whereas every other country has socialized healthcare systems where the government controls everything. Uh, but in this case, the government is exerting slightly less control uh, in the United Kingdom over over this dimension of health freedom uh, than the government of the United States is. Yeah, but this is also an example of a much bigger problem uh, when you give the government these the, the power to decide whether people can take drugs. You get this problem of drug lag. The drug drug lag is the time between when a drug is ready to be sold to the public and and when the government actually lets the public use it. And it can be significant in this country and others. Yeah. Uh, there's evidence that we uh, at the Cato Institute uh, uh, found and reported on in a study that uh, if the U.S. government had just let consumers uh, here in this country access drugs that had been approved in other advanced countries for a whole raft of drugs, consumers in the United States would have gotten access to them like, more than a year earlier. Yeah, no. And yet the government makes us wait for these crucial medicines. Yeah, no, you're making great points, Michael. And I, the, and I, I just know that this is a real issue. The FDA is really in the way. It just brings to mind the fact that there is a self-administered uh, swab or self-administered test for COVID-19 that one could use at home but the FDA dragged its feet for months to approve it to allow it to be used in the public I, I believe it's because they want to maintain the control over the number of people that report COVID-19. Not sure exactly why, but what are your thoughts on that? So the FDA's performance here has been abysmal. The FDA, in addition to taking longer to, to reach a decision about the coronavirus vaccines, the FDA also delayed the availability of coronavirus diagnostic tests for the novel coronavirus mm -hmm. such that we were not able to do what it delayed the test so long we were not able to do what south korea and other countries did which is uh confine the virus at an early stage before it began uh, spreading exponentially mm -hmm. so that through things like testing and contact tracing and that uh that that uh, uh, those basic public health strategies that can contain uh, contagious uh, disease like this, 
uh, and and the F, but the FDA with it should have lowered the barriers to entry into the market for those tests, right? Raised them, and you remember the debacle with the Centers for Disease Control. The FDA by the end of February, the FDA had approved only one test for this yeah. disease, and it was the CDC test, and it was a complete failure. Exactly, the CDC contaminated its own test yeah. with the coronavirus. Yeah, the governor in, in um, uh, Florida just this week has said that we're not going to allow tests that actually have a two, it's kind of convoluted in my mind. I didn't quite understand it, but apparently some tests can, can uh, show that there's coronavirus without actually being, first of all, uh, contagious, or second of all, truly having the person having coronavirus. So there are a lot, there's been a lot of tests, and I've seen in some cases 70 or 80% of the tests being false positives. So uh, the governor's uh, suggested that shouldn't happen in the future, and it won't because he's sign an executive order about it. I have this question, though. Um, is there going to be a difference between, say, Johnson & Johnson, Moderna, uh, Pfizer? Will these vaccines all be the same, or should one consider which one might be best? So it's uh, the vaccine trials are reporting slightly different uh, uh, success uh, rates. Uh, some in in the 80, 80th percentiles and some up in the 90s. Mm -hmm. uh, it's, it is uh, hard to know exactly uh, which vaccine is going to be best for any individual person. Uh -huh. It may be impossible to know which vaccine is best for any individual person. And these are, to be fair, these are some of the reasons why the government denies us access to the vaccines and other drugs that we want is because these sorts of decisions are so uncertain. Yeah. You do need lots of data and in some cases, lots of time before you can have, uh, or in order to build certainty, you may never have complete certainty, but in order to reduce the uncertainty involved with these sorts of decisions. Yeah. But that doesn't change the fact that people are waiting and people are suffering and even dying while they wait for, these drugs and vaccines that the government is holding up. And it, it, it should be the individual who gets to make the decision for herself or himself about whether the uncertainty and the risk is worth the potential benefit of taking a drug. You know, we let the government make that decision. It, it's not making a scientific decision. It's imposing its values. It's values I could about the risk-benefit trade-off on people hold different values. I could not agree more. You said it so well, Michael, and, and in my opinion, I mean, uh, I weigh in my own mind, if, if in fact the survival rate of coronavirus is about 99.5%, and the side effects might be as high as 10 or 15% of taking, taking the vaccine, I begin to scratch my head and say, why am I taking this in the first place? That's right. So, uh, you know, my own um, preferences here are probably more conservative than you might think a libertarian uh, uh, would would be. Yeah, I would like uh, some more evidence. However, uh, uh, I would um, I do plan to take the vac one of the vaccines. Um, I'm not very high up the list, which is both uh, comforting and discomforting. Yeah, uh, but again, these are decisions that individuals should have been able to make for themselves. Uh, not. Not just at the same time they're able to in the UK, but before. If these yeah. pharmaceutical companies were willing to sell these drugs to the public while there were, while the randomized controlled trials uh, were ongoing, uh, they should have had the freedom to do so, just as uh, the uh, diagnostic testing companies should have had the freedom to deploy, and the universities who developed these tests should have had the freedom to deploy those tests earlier because... That could have helped us contain the Yeah, certainly. So, so Michael, I mean, position we're in right now. Is, do you think my skepticism is well-founded? I mean, I, I, I'm not alone, I know. I think there's 30 to 50% of the people in the United States that feel about the same way. I think there are people who are skeptical of the, uh, of, of the vaccine. Um, unfortunately, there has been a, a, a movement that has been motivated by fear mm -hmm. uh, uh, that has, for example, uh, accused vaccines of causing autism, which is completely false. Uh, but when you put that fear in people's heads, mm -hmm. especially when it 
a fear of something that might happen to their children. It's very hard to get that fear oh. to turn off that fear. It's anyone who's had children uh, understand. Yeah, absolutely. And so, and, and so, it we're going to have a, a a task before us, uh, convincing people that this vaccine is that that these vaccines are as safe as they actually are, mm-hmm. and that the risk uh, is very low. Uh, but the only way to convince people of that is to uh, acknowledge that their fears have some basis. Uh, no vaccine is completely safe for everybody. People with compromised immune systems should not take uh, certain vaccines. Right. And, uh, but for the vast majority of people, uh, to convince the vast majority of people that the vaccine is on balance uh, safe and beneficial for them. Uh, you can't just tell them that they're being crazy. You can't just mandate it uh, and expect them to sit there and do what their superiors tell them to do. That's exactly. You have to treat them like human beings. You have to appeal to their intellect and their fears and, and let them make uh, their and, own decisions. And we're not seeing that. We're not seeing that kind of leadership from the national or even the state government. No, we're not. Michael Cannon, again, I really appreciate this insight. Uh, Michael Cannon, Director of Health Studies at the Cato Institute. Michael, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Pleasure, Bob. My pleasure, indeed. All right, coming up, we're going to visit with Seton Motley. Seton is the founder and president of Less Government. We're going to do that and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Luke Provence Restaurant is a favorite dining destination for many Neapolitans, including Linda and myself. Blue Provence, located in a historic building in the heart of Old Naples at Creighton Cove, offers a mix of French bistro cooking with bold, fresh Floridian flavors. Experience award-winning cuisine at Blue Provence and enjoy one of Florida's most extensive, eclectic, and fun wine cellars. Dining your choice of the popular Eden Bar, the Intimate Courtyard Garden, or the beautiful Provencal Caribbean Dining Room. Enjoy a wonderful and memorable evening in a casual and relaxed atmosphere that includes a taste of Provencal hospitality. Blue Provence is open seven days a week, all year round. Visit BlueProvenceNaples.com for reservations, everyday specials, and coming events. That's BlueProvenceNaples.com or call 261-8239. That's 261-8239. Blue Provence French Restaurant in the heart of Old Naples. Offshore Playhouse is passionately committed to enriching our cultural landscape by producing professional theater to the highest artistic standards and providing unique educational opportunities to folks in a spirit of service, adventure, and excitement. Over the past 15 years, the Playhouse has expanded immensely, outgrowing its current facilities. With dreams of expanding even further in order to better serve the community, broaden the economic impact, and strengthen the cultural fabric of our region, it's time to build and move into a new home. A 44,000-square-foot state-of-the-art theater and education center will be built on three acres at the corner of First Avenue South and Goodlett Frank Road, allowing Gulf Shore Playhouse to achieve those dreams. To find out more about Gulf Shore Playhouse, this state-of-the-art performing arts center, and about the season's exciting productions, visit golfshoreplayhouse.org. That's golfshoreplayhouse.org. We'll see you at the show. Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. Coming up, we're going to visit with uh, former mayor of Naples, Bill Barnett. Right now we have with us Seton Motley. Seton is the founder and president of Less Government. Seton, thank you so much for joining us. Good morning, sir. Good morning, Seton. Tell us about Less Government. Yeah, we exist to reduce the size, scope, and serve influence of government, and the ship has sailed. The ship is in about 1800. Yes. Yes. Indeed. So, hey, you write a great piece in uh, Red State yesterday, or I think it was yesterday. New York Times blows it again, wants vaccines at all, protect intellectual property rights. Tell us about it. Yeah, there was a three-person editorial, two of whom alleged themselves to be economists, who wrote a piece, my title's a play on theirs, uh, uh, their title, 
it was something like if you know to if you if you want to spread the vaccine, you know, waive intellectual property rights, meaning the the, the vaccines that have been created shouldn't be protected by intellectual property uh, laws. Mm. And of course, that's just inherently stupid for anyone, let alone an, a couple of economists. Well, and what they're saying is, you know, especially in poor countries, hardest hit, you know, uh, the, they can't afford the vaccine and all that. And of course, one of the fundamental principles everybody that wants to destroy IP fails to understand is it's not about this creation that IP law exists. It's about the next creation mm-hmm. as to why IP law exists. If you do not protect the the creation that, it, that you're using now or enjoying now, there will not be a next one because it costs a lot of money. And a lot, as we know, with Operation Warp Speed, costs a lot of money and a lot of work, a lot of hours, man hours, to get to vaccines that are usable. Yeah. And if they can't, if, if we demonstrate that we're not willing to allow them to make that money back and then make something more for the effort, uh, they're not, they'll never get, they're not going to, you know, one of the amazing things about Operation Warp Sheet and the reason they got paid so much by government, even though they wouldn't necessarily create a, vac- a usable vaccine, was they dropped everything everything they were working on mm-hmm. to work on this. And you, you can't, that, that, you have to entice them to do that. And that uh, money's a very good enticement. Yeah. And if money makes the world go around. It's, it's why people get up in the morning and go to jobs they don't like. And, and it's basic human nature. If you, if you now say, okay, you made this vaccine. You're going to open up the world from a global government shutdown, but we're not going to reward you for it. You're not going to get paid for it. Yeah, that well, makes... that's just absurd. It is, and they'll they'll never work on anything productive again. You know, it's the, the beautiful thing is the free exchange of ideas and goods. Every every exchange is voluntary in a free market, and it's uh, and uh, people are inventing and creating and uh, all kinds of things. We need to protect that under all circumstances, no matter what the emergency right now. Walter Williams or Thomas Sowell, I can't remember which it was, the late Walter Williams or Thomas Sowell, said, prior to free market capitalism, the only way to amass wealth was to steal other people's stuff. Right. And steal it enough to pile it up and amass wealth. Right. Capitalism allows you to serve your fellow man. Right. And, and and become rich, and that's you know that's an amazing development of of the understanding of human nature, and um, and yeah, it's it's again it's it's so obvious on its face. I it it just stuns me that you know so many people don't grasp the, the very basic concept. It's so if, true. If you if you steal the fruits of someone's labor. No one's going to labor ever again. That's I mean, exactly just right. That's exactly. Right. Hey, listen, I'm going to change the topic slightly on you. Yes, sir. But a nice development here. Nathan Symington approved by the Senate to take a, a seat in the FCC. Yes. It? Yes. This is interesting now because okay, the way the Federal Communications Commission works, there are five commissioners, one of whom acts as chairman. Mm-hmm. So it's three to two in favor of the president's party. So, of course, in a alleged transition from Trump to Biden, it goes from three to two Republican to three to two Democrat. Mm-hmm. The chairman traditionally steps down mm-hmm. because, you know, you don't want to be, de- I, 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 no one says this, but this is my theory. No one wants to be demoted. After you've been chairman, why the heck do you want to go back to being commissioner? Right. You know what I mean? Right. So he, traditionally he steps down to make room for another uh, party's chairman. Well, Mike O'Reilly was a great commissioner, and his term ends this year, December 31st. He's now, he's a Republican. He's now been replaced by Symington. 
Well, that makes it two to th- uh, three to two Republican. Ajit Pai, the chairman, who's been a great chairman, steps down on inauguration day if Biden's name, pre- you know, sworn in as president. Mm-hmm. Well, now you've got a two-two tie, mm-hmm. two Democrats, two Republicans, and you have to go through the Senate confirmation process to name a chairman. So, out of the gate, at least. Biden's got a two-two tie and can't advance his stupid tech agenda at the FCC. So it was a very important and very smart move that that uh, McConnell, the, the Kentucky senator, the Senate Republican majority leader in the Senate, it was a smart move to con- to confirm Symington here before Michael Riley's term ends. Yeah, no, I, so I, now I, the, the, little... we may hopefully see a little less progressive progress at the FCC. If and when Biden sworn in on January twentieth, yeah. So, oh, God forbid. Uh, I hope, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, the other side to it is Simington is a, is a, a, against Section two thirty, as I understand it. So that's that, a, that's well. The, 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 again, this is the cutthroat world of politics. Mm-hmm. Mike O'Reilly's been a great chairman or commissioner, except he expressed skepticism about the FCC doing anything about Section two thirty. So. Trump had nominated him for another term. Mm -hmm. And as soon as O'Reilly did that, he yanked his nomination and replaced him with Symington. Mm. So, you know, you got to be on board with the agenda or you may not keep your job. No, no question. Seton Motley, again, the founder and president of Less Government. Seton, I always appreciate your commentary here in the show. LessGovernment.org is the website. And, of course, you can visit Less Government on Facebook as well. Seton, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Appreciate it, sir. Thank you. My pleasure, indeed. All right, coming up, we're going to visit with uh, Mayor Bill Barnett, former mayor of Naples. We're going to do that and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. have an extra auto you'd like to donate to charity? Maximize your tax deduction, support your favorite charity, and help a local child in need by calling Naples Auto Donation Center. Naples Auto Donation Center is a not-for-profit licensed car dealer. Just call NADC at 692-9840 and they'll take it from there. You get a properly documented tax deduction for whatever the vehicle actually sells for. Your designated beneficiary charity gets half the profit after fix-up costs and the net revenue generated by NADC goes to Friends of Foster Children to provide tutoring and other enrichment activities for foster children the government doesn't provide. And NADC is also one of the few places in Collier County that sells inexpensive cars that actually run to folks who would otherwise not be able to afford one. It's a real win-win. Call Naples Auto Donation Center at 692-9840 or visit the website nadckids.com. You'll be glad you did. Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability, creating policies and programs to get able-bodied folks off of welfare and back to work, and that's just one of the great initiatives. I hope you'll find out more by visiting the website, thefga.org. We have with us the former mayor of Naples, Bill Barnett. Mayor Bill, thank you so much for joining us. Hey, Bob, always a pleasure. Thank you, Bill. This weather's a little bit chilly. I think it's right up your alley, isn't it? Well. I, I mean, I like it, um, but it's the Buffalo girl that uh, that really loves it. I'll tell you what, um, Chris Chris loves this cool weather. Uh, but um, no, I think it's beautiful, Bob. And if you've been playing any golf, uh, I mean, it's just been it's been gorgeous. No, no golf for me. I've got a little uh, problem with my uh, with uh, stenosis, so I haven't played here in probably a month or so. So I'm yeah, I'm on. Go ahead. No, Go just ahead. I'm on IRR. I'm on injured reserve right now. <laughs> yeah, um, I have um, stenosis, um, but I have it in my neck. Yeah. And um, I, I think, I don't know if we talked about it or not, but about a month ago, I had an epidural. Um, and um, 
it was it was it was it was pretty amazing. I think we talked about that a little bit. Yes, we did. Uh, but um, I guess it just depends, you know. And um, uh, it's really annoying. And I know, I know, um, I can't imagine the 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 discomfort that it puts you in. Um, and it's probably mental as well because you can't swing the golf club that's exactly that's, right that's the annoying part. that's the annoying part <laughs> well, that, i couldn't do it before but <laughs> well yeah but you can make an attempt at it exactly exactly <laughs> so uh, uh any good scoop of naples well um you know i mean it just uh it's, it seems the christmas um lighting and the you know there were lots of people down there i i i was not there um but I heard a lot of reports, a lot of unmasked people, and uh, uh, I don't know. The social distancing, you know, went out the window. But look, I mean, look at the Thanksgiving thing that they, they preached, and they said, just don't travel, don't whatever, and they did it anyway. And yeah. then, of course, the COVID, you know, is really hitting some cities bad, badly, you know. And I can't wait for the vaccine. I know it's going to be on its way within the week or a couple of days or whatever, and it's going to take them a while to do it. But um, so let me ask you a question. You don't have to answer it on the air, you know, because it is personal. But uh, are, will you get a vaccine shot? Well, uh, uh, right now I'm skeptical. <laughs> I'm very skeptical of the vaccines. And, and uh, okay. if, for example, this morning I, just, I reported on the show that some of the trial, the folks that participated in the Pfizer trial, uh, four of them got Bell's palsy. Now, you can't say that it's necessarily related, but they're estimating that 10 to 15% of the people that take the vaccine will have some sort of side effects. What they'll be, who well, knows? So, Well, yeah, but, but you know, they, they, they said if you have a severe allergy or whatever, you shouldn't. But, but you know what? Um, I, I used an analogy, and it was probably a terrible one, okay? Because mm. there's a lot of people say, we're not taking that and whatever it is. But can you imagine... And, and I know this is bad, Bob, so you can say, no, Bill, you can't say that. But imagine when Jonas Salk discovered the, uh, the polio vaccine to, 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 to cure polio. I um, certainly do. If, if parents would say, no, I'm not, I'm not letting my kid have that. Oh, no. Um, I, I look at it almost in the, in, in, the, in the same light. I mean, listen, they, they've spent, you know, probably billions on this, and it's, uh, 90, 95% effective. And um, look at my age, I'll tell you what, I'm, uh, I'd am i be first in line for it. Um, and, you know, I don't have any severe allergies that I know of. And right. so, and, and uh, go for it. Plus, plus, you know what, Bob, they got the other companies also that Moderna has a different one where it uh, doesn't have to be as cold or whatever. And um, so I think by the time it rolls around, um, uh, you know, I think some of the people that were, you know, a little skeptical, and I can understand that. I'm, I'm not poo-pooing it, but I think they might come around and say, hey, you know, I don't want to catch this this stuff. But I think it's a matter of preference like anything else, and uh, you and I sometimes agree and sometimes disagree, but it's only our opinions, right? So it doesn't really matter. <laughs> well, uh, well, the main thing, the most important thing is that we each can make a decision about our own bodies <laughs> it's we're in right. charge we're in charge of us we're in charge of uh, each of us are in charge right. of our own solvents right now unfortunately up in new york as i understand it the legislature is considering making vaccines mandatory and i just yeah i just don't think but, that's right bob i don't think that's possible i i i don't i absolutely positively don't think that it would hold up i don't care what the legislature does i don't think that would hold up that you can force somebody uh, to get a, a vaccine like this. Now, I could be wrong. I'm not a lawyer, and yeah. so I'm guessing. But to me, it just doesn't sound like um, it, it. Just just doesn't sound right to me. No, it doesn't. Uh, and the governor, our governor, thank goodness, uh, DeSantis has said, "Hey, not only are we not going to make these masks mandatory, but right now I'm announcing that we're not going to make vaccines mandatory either." Now. It, right. may, it may be that, for example, airlines say that in order to get on the plane, you have to demonstrate you've been vaccinated. Uh, private well, private businesses, I think, can have the right to do that. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's one of those, um, you, you are speculating about it now, and that's one of those wait-and-see things where we're going to come back and say, hey, Bob, remember when you said that about <laughs> yeah. whatever? And, you know, so we, 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 put, we put a lot of things out there in the, yeah. in the open air to uh, 
to discuss at a, at a later date. So any Christmas plans? Well, we, we absolutely. We have plans to stay right here and uh, yes. have a virtual <laughs> Christmas. Or how about you? Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, same thing. We we are debating going uh, to my sister-in-law's. Um, either way, I have to make a prime rib for her ah. for Christmas Eve. But um, it's kind of up in the air they, because even though it's just family, um, we're, we're just, I don't know, maybe we're getting to be old fogies. Who knows? But we're just really careful about that. And, you know, it depends how many people she has. They're all family. True. But so is Thanksgiving. You yeah, know what I mean? And I do. What happened. You know, in fact, uh, it, and I sound like I'm cavalier about this virus. I'm certainly not. In <laughs> fact... Uh, I don't like I don't like to get into large groups and do do uh, you know I think it's it's I think you need to be careful at our age we need to be careful right so right. Hey, exactly just to move and, to uh, city business here I, the I read the Naples Daily News this morning that uh, the the uh, attorney for the Naples for floor, for the uh, Naples City Council. Fox, I believe his name is, yep. is uh, going to make sure or do some things to make sure that the course, the golf course at the Naples Beach Hotel is preserved. Any thoughts on that? Yeah, well, well, we we said that all along um, uh, from the beginning of the of the of the beach club of the uh, uh, you know the the renovation the what they're going to do with it. Um, we always said that. Now, the last that I heard, and I did not read this morning's article, Bob, um, and I know we're running out of time, but the last I heard was that instead of an eighteen hole course, it's going to be a nine hole course. Oh, um, that that was that was what I heard. I, I don't know um, don't know much more about it, but our goal and and it's in the documents and everything else was they absolutely that was one of the things that the residents that surrounded the Beach Club Hotel were adamant about. Mm. Okay, you, you got to preserve at least you have to preserve all that green space and 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 preferably we said the golf course has got to be preserved. Mm. So um, I think it's in the documents and Jim Fox is plenty smart and so I think. I, I I don't know that they were arguing against it or they had other plans for it, but um, as, as far as I know, that was what we said. You know, yeah. you're going to preserve that golf course. Well, it was kind of news in the in the paper today, and I thought I'd just check in with you about about everything yeah. that's going on. So, yeah. Speak, speaking of news, real quick, did you see about the thing about Alfie? Uh he, he well, uh, let's see. He's uh, uh tell the, me about the draft it. Key. <laughs> the lawsuit. Yep, that apparently he's uh, he's being accused of using somebody else's site for for gambling or something like that. No, 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 no. You know what? It was it's per, it was legal. He's ta- it was DraftKings, and you, we can talk more about it next week. But um, DraftKings is legal. It's like a fantasy football, um, and um, I guess he he got some. He was in with somebody else, and the other guy was disgruntled about it. But it's just Alfie never ceases to amaze me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he's he's my hero. I think. <laughs> yeah, I'm telling you, <laughs> he is something. You so. know what? I, I will say this: uh, seed to table. It's probably the happiest place in Collier County. Oh, <laughs> you better believe it. I'll tell you what: you see masks. You see, you don't see masks. You see people shopping. The the food is beautiful. Yep. Uh, um, it's a fun place. It is a great place. And uh, have you eaten there before? I have not eaten there, Bob, because every time I go in there, the place is so darn busy that um, can't can't get can't get near a table. But um, I have a lot of friends that that go there for lunch and everything, and say it's just awesome. It is awesome indeed. Naples former mayor Bill Barnett, Mayor Bill, I always appreciate your commentary here in the show. Thank you well, so much for joining us. You're welcome, and I look forward to it. Speak to you next week, and uh, be safe. You as well. Thank you, Bill. Well, that's a wrap here in today's show. Hope you enjoyed it. Always appreciate your comments. Uh, got a nice one yesterday. I just could take some time to respond, but uh, send me an email at bobharden at hotmail.com. Bobharden at hotmail.com. And if you'd like to be on the distribution list for the newsletter I send out after each show, uh, just put it in there as well. Bobharden at hotmail.com. We've got great guests for tomorrow's show, including William Yateman, research fellow at the Cato Institute. We'll visit with Sharon Kenny, the author of Where Should We Eat? Byron Donalds, I'm hopeful I haven't checked in with him, but I hope he'll join us. Our newly elected U.S. Congressman and Dave Bigo, the author of uh, The Devil at Our Doorstep. I hope you make it a great day on the Paradise Coast or wherever you are. Namaste.
Thanks so much for listening to the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. For more information and audio files of previous shows, visit www.bobharden.com.